we weren't selling real estate investing. We were selling, come donate $10 and be a part of this movement that we're going to go make an impact in kids' lives through sports. And while you're here, since you donated $10, let's teach you real estate investing. You are listening to the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future. Listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives. Whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage, this is the show for you. Each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008. Hey, fellow Savvy Real Estate Investors. Thanks for tuning in today. We have Randy Molland on the show today. And I, you know, I, I say it every episode where I, I like to let the guests say more about themselves because I just end up, you know, stealing all the thunder and going on and on. But, you know, everybody does a better job of telling us what they're up to. But Randy's actually a really, really cool guy. And I think he brings a very different perspective to the show today because uh, not only is he a real estate investor, of course, but his mission and his purpose is driven by other things, which I think is highly commendable. And I think will be a really, really great conversation for many of us because I think that a lot of real estate investors get to this point where it's like, you know, the door count doesn't feel exciting anymore. It's like, hey, can I get 10 more doors or can I get X number more added to my portfolio? And like, you know, where is enough and why are we doing what we do and what drives our purpose? And I think that that's really how we want to gear the conversation today because um, Randy is of course, like I said, a real estate investor, and they're doing some amazing things. However, he's also the founder of Go Big to Give Big, which is a movement that is inspiring people to earn more, to give more, essentially. And, you know, I'll let Randy tell you more about how this came to be and how he realized that, you know, he needed a little bit more inspiration and purpose in his life. Um, he's also uh, a big educator and the founder, co-founder of uh, a mastermind where he's inspiring other real estate investors to take action and obviously uh, keep in mind their purpose and why they're doing what they're doing. So Randy, thank you uh, so much for being on our show today. Uh, why don't we just get right into it? And uh, maybe you can add on slightly to my brief introduction and tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into it. Absolutely. I am so excited to be here. So thank you so much, uh, Khadija and Jose, for having me on. This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, quick background on myself was that uh, I was an electrician by trade growing up. Very uh, lucky to have got ticketed by the time I was 22 and you know, wiring full houses and job sites and everything like that. Unfortunately, lost one of my best friends who was my mentor in the industry to a job site accident when I was 25. And I did what any other crazy person would do. And I just realized that I didn't want to be in real estate anymore or didn't want to be in electrical anymore. And so I just Googled how to make as much money and never work again. And of <laughs> course, as anyone knows, listening to this podcast, I found real estate investing. And so at 25, I started my real estate investing journey and I co-created a company called The Reinvestors with my business partner, Steve Arneson. And uh, we were very lucky. We, we found Keyspire. We signed up for some training programs and started doing joint venture partnerships. So basically we'd go find people that had capital, 
we'd go in and renovate properties, add suites into them, and then we'd split profits 50-50. So we did that for quite a few years, scaled that up. But as we started having a lot of success, Steve and I didn't really feel 100% fulfilled. We knew all about financial freedom. We knew we wanted to create financial independence, but it was always that thing that you mentioned at the beginning. What does one door mean? Like, why do we want to add 10 more doors? What, what is that? It's not exciting to us. What was exciting was financial freedom. But if anybody knows about financial freedom, it's not actually financial freedom. It's what you get when you become financially free. You get your time back. You can do the things you like to do. And Steve and I love to serve. We love helping people. We love giving back. We both come from families that are just always pouring their hearts out. So we got connected to a guy named Cole Hatter who launched a mission called Make Money Matter. And Steve and I heard that and we said, man, this is it. It's not just about going out and buying a ton of real estate and making a ton of money and getting a bigger house and a bigger car. It was about, let's go use capitalism. Let's go use entrepreneurship to go make a ton of money, but then let's give some money back. And the principle that changed everything for us was if you want to make a million dollars a year and live that lifestyle, build your business to make 2 million and give a million dollars away and don't feel guilty about the house that you live in or the car you drive because you equally gave what you earned. And that was it for me. And from then on, it was it was all about doing as much as we could to make as much money as we can, build out the real estate portfolio, build out the businesses, add a giving component to everything we do. So we donate $10 per door per month. We donate a few hundred dollars from every one of our uh, mastermind memberships. We donated a portion of all of our meetup tickets and everything that we touch uh, has a giving component to it. And we'll go deep into that, I'm sure, throughout this episode, but it's just brought us a ton of joy in the businesses that we're building. It's brought us a lot of really cool connections for people that are so passionate and care about making impact in this world. And it's just really inspired us to continue to build and grow and become successful entrepreneurs in this world. Oh, that's that's absolutely amazing. I yeah, love well that. <laughs> I love that. I, I'm I'm like all my questions are answered. Yeah, I think <laughs> so, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was, yeah, I was no, I know. It's I love it. So you know, when you first transition into this movement, tell us how your business changed, your life changed, and what kind of impact it had on other people uh, once yeah. you started that movement. Yeah, it was really cool. So I uh, I heard on a podcast. Um, somebody sent it to me and Cole Hatter did an interview where he talked about this whole mission of make money matter and, you know, build a business that, that makes two and give a million away. And he was running a conference. And so I flew down to Vegas to a three-day conference. Um, and remember, I'm, I'm all real estate minded. I wasn't an entrepreneur. I'm 20, I was 26 at the time. And we had bought, you know, I'll say a, a half dozen properties and we had raised some money. But I, was, I didn't know what entrepreneurship was or business or anything like that. It was purely just real estate. So when I heard about this concept, I was like, I love it. And I went to the conference and I met a lot of really cool people that are doing business the same way. And one of the things that Steve and I believed in is that if we can become really good business owners, that we'd uh, kind of stand out in the, in the real estate industry. So as we were there, we signed up for Cole's Mastermind. So we spent five years in a mastermind where primarily it's all multi-seven figure earners, you're having speakers come in like Ed Milet and Eric Thomas and Andy Frisilla and you name it, they've been in there to come speak to Cole's Mastermind. And it really just put our mindset, it put everything in the right trajectory to where we wanted to actually build the company to. And so once, once we learned this, how to build business, how to give back and how to do real estate it was a nice trifecta for us when we started getting in conversations with people about raising capital. 
So the conversations weren't just about, here's our portfolio. Here's what we've done. Here's why you should invest. It was, hey, we're business owners and we want you to come partner with us in our business. But why you want to come in and partner with us is because we've done some incredible things and we have a philanthropic component and we like making impact in this world. And so it really changed our conversations in how we were bringing people into our companies. And because we were learning in different industries, not the real estate industry, you know, it's like real estate has a one track road for how you're supposed to do things for the most part. We were going into other industries and learning how people that run fitness industries, how are you getting clients? People that are doing um, photography companies, how are you communicating to your people? And so being a part of a business network allowed us to change how we operated our real estate network. And that's how we are to oper operate our monthly meetup more efficiently, add the giving components into it. Again, the same thing. When people came to our meetup, we weren't selling real estate investing. We were selling, come donate $10 and be a part of this movement that we're going to go make an impact in kids' lives through sports. And while you're here, since you donated $10, let's teach you real estate investing. And so we just found so many different tactics and ways to get people into our company, learn about us, buy into us, build the know, like, and trust factor because they loved what we were talking about. And then from there, we would go put them into products and real estate that fit their niche or where they wanted to go. So I don't know if that answers the full part of your question, yeah. but that's kind of how we leveraged business and the giving and the relationships that is built from there. And obviously, uh, power by association when we were going down and hanging out uh, you know, getting photos with guys like Eric Thomas and Andy Frisilla and and some of these top entrepreneurs out there, people recognized that. And it gave us a little bit of status in the industry of, wow, if you're learning from those guys, you have to be smart, which isn't true, but that's the clout that you get when you start hanging around um, people that have some sort of stature. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, we're a real estate podcast. Let's talk a little bit of real estate. Talk to us a little bit about your company, um, what you guys do. And, uh, you know, obviously the premise is make more to give more, right? So we still got to be focusing on making, yeah. making that income. Um, I think the messaging we're hearing though, is that, you know, purpose-driven, uh, income generation uh, yeah. is, is a fuel. It allows you to grow bigger because you have a purpose now, rather than like we talked about at the beginning, just accumulating more doors. Um, but you know, what is it that you guys do? Talk to us a little bit about the company and um, what the company looks like right now and what your primary strategy is. Yeah, absolutely. So we started out doing joint venture uh, partnerships to begin with. We got into some small multifamilies, some burrs, things like that. And then we got into some land development flips. So we actually went to a town where they were doing a blanket zoning and we were talking to um, the city first and they're like, hey, just so you know, we're going to blanket zone this entire area multifamily. So we went in and just put a bunch of properties under contract, flipped them out or wholesaled them to a bunch of developers. So we found some developers, showed them everything they had to do to make the lots work for what they wanted. They wanted six plexes on the lots. So we brought some developers in, wholesaled those out. So that was our first touch into development of learning how to work with cities and things like that. Then we got connected to um, a development partner who wanted to go and build uh, some bigger projects. Their struggle was raising capital. Steve and I, we had an extensive background of people. We had a meetup. We had a network. Steve's background was um, international business development and sales. So he was very good at schmoozing people, flying around the world to just make people feel really good and buy their products. And so um, we primarily became 
capital partners in a lot of these projects where we would uh, leverage our networks and our events and everything that we were hosting to raise capital for the next development projects. So we got into four pretty pretty big development projects, uh, you know, some 30 and 40 unit um, condo and apartment buildings um, that are currently just being completed now. Uh, but that's where we are to date was, so we went single family, multifamily development, kind of wholesale flipping, and then now into uh, the development side where we're, I'll say a partner in the projects. Um, but our expertise was in raising capital. Amazing. Yeah. And, and I want to gear my next question in regards to raising capital and maybe give us some tips on how to build relationships with investors and how you've been able to raise capital, how to, you know, using that uh, no like and trust framework. Yeah. Don't talk real estate if you want to raise capital. No, that's um, it's it's great to get in the door. When people ask, "What do you do?" I'm a real estate investor in Victoria, and we do some really incredible projects, and we take on some capital partners. That's that lets people know what I do. How I actually get them to invest in our projects, though, is by getting them to know, like, and trust us. This is where Steve is an absolute beast at. He is so good at learning little intricates. And we're not talking about getting $50,000 investments. Steve and I are very uh, lucky and I'll say earned because a lot of our investors, like I think our average investment is like $150,000 to $170,000 on average from our projects. And we have people that are writing us between two and $700,000 checks. Those people typically don't just find a project you like and write you a check tomorrow. You spend months working on a relationship with them by learning what their birthday is and sending them birthday cards on their birthday, learning what their kids are doing. You know, Steve's the kind of guy that will hop on a conversation and you'll just slightly mention that your kid has a dance recital next month. He will make sure that he sends you a note that says, hey, hope your kid has a nice dance recital next month. And all of a sudden, those people are coming back to us saying, tell us about your projects. We want to know. We trust you guys enough with our money because you actually care about what we do. So the key to raising the most amount of money isn't actually talking about your real estate deals with them. It's actually building a relationship with them. And that's where we found the giving component has been one section of that, where instead of just going and saying, hey, invest with us because we get good returns, it's, hey, invest with us because we get good returns. And we want to make a massive impact in this world. And we support Kids Sport Victoria with a portion of all of our profits. That drives the conversation around kids, sports, charities, and things like that. And, and a lot of the times we'll ask the question, which charity do you like to support? And then all of a sudden we start a conversation because typically you guys probably wouldn't share with me why you want to support, let's just say a cancer foundation, because maybe your mother died from cancer. Well, now I have that as a input tool to know, oh, your mother passed away from cancer. I can speak to that. I can consolidate you. I can build a relationship with that. And I didn't have to ask you a hard question of, hey, tell me about some of the hard challenges in your life. We talk about a charity that you want to support. Or they'll ask Steve and I why we like kids sport. And we'll explain why we believe in leadership, that we believe in every kid having the opportunity to play sports and how we benefited from playing in sports. So those are the few things without getting long-winded is learning how to communicate to humans that make them feel so loved and supported and trusted that they don't, when they have a conversation with somebody else and all they say is, here's my project, here's my project, here's my project. I get 20% returns. I get 20% returns. They're like, whoa, like 
kind of back off a little bit. I'm going to go talk to Steve again because I really liked that. So that's how we've been able to build a lot of our relationships and and grow a lot of the capital as quick as we did. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. So I guess, I mean, oftentimes uh, many of our uh, listeners, and I, I can speak even from our own experiences that, you know, one of the big hurdles is how do you get into rooms with people who have money? Um, where do you where do you find these people? How do you network with them? Because many of us, um, our networks don't have you know five hundred thousand dollars or even two hundred thousand dollars sitting yeah. around to invest with us. So maybe you can give us some tips on you know where you guys are meeting people and how you're going about um, forming those initial connections. Yeah, we first started by thinking about this exact same thing because a lot of our network was like, hey, we got fifty thousand. Um, We made a lot of investments into communities that had successful real estate investors that wanted to be passive investors in them. So we're very lucky that we have groups and networks of people that already were in this space to get there. But you're also competing against hundreds of other operating partners that are raising capital. Your project has to stand out, things like that. So how do we get creative? A few things. We started running our own events that were all about how to leverage the equity in your home to invest in real estate passively. So we just started running one day, two day events about how you can use the equity in your home to invest in real estate. Well, we live in an area where we have some very wealthy, very high net worth and a lot of equity in the properties. So we found quite a few investors through that process because um, I'm not saying they're the most savvy people. We're actually taking people and training them about how they can invest. Well, now when they see that, they're like, well, you guys must be a good place to put my money, right? So, so we did a lot of that. Then we started upping our game and hanging out with a lot of people um, that that were of the higher caliber income earners. So where do accountants hang out? Where do doctors, dentists, lawyers, people like that? Entrepreneurs are a very good one because a lot of them make good money and just keep their money in their accounts because they want to play safe in this world. And they honestly, entrepreneurs don't really know how to invest. All they know is how to build businesses. We're not talking real estate investors, but just entrepreneurs. So a lot of them have three, four, five hundred thousand dollars sitting in accounts doing nothing. A lot of them just go and buy real estate land because they don't know what to do and they pay cash for them. So then we teach them how to pull it out. So we work with a lot of entrepreneurs or people that are exiting their companies, people that have sold their companies for five, 10 million. And a lot of that comes down to just research and hard work, hanging out at golf courses. Where do these people go for breakfast and lunch? They're probably not hanging out at Fit for Less working out for a $20 membership. They may be at a CrossFit gym or a training gym where there's you know $200 memberships and more personal training. So getting in those rooms and talking to those kinds of people, you have to think and act like they would in order to be in the rooms that they're hanging in. They're probably not eating lunch at McDonald's. They're probably eating lunch at the really nice restaurant in town, which is on the marina with yachts hanging out everywhere. And when you're there, you have to be present. You have to be talking to people, accidentally bumping into them and introducing yourself, things like that. (laughs) Yeah. Being creative is is ultimately what it is, right? So. That, that's some really good advice. And I think that, you know, people listening and, and just generally people need to understand that nobody just wakes up and has this like amazing network of high net worth. And I mean, maybe there's a few people out there who do, but for the most part, we don't, none of us have that. And um, there's many, many investors who have been extremely successful in penetrating those spaces and raising capital. So it just really does come down to thinking outside the box and really being creative and putting in the hard work to form a lot of those relationships. And to add one last thing, 
getting out of the real estate networks was the best thing we ever did. When we started getting into these business networking events, yeah. you start realizing how much money is actually moving around. You know, real estate investors talk about like buying houses and stuff like that. But when you start talking to business owners that are doing seven and eight figures and they're taking salaries of four or $500,000 a year from their companies and they're doing this kind of stuff, you're like, holy smokes, like money is moving and you just have to get out there and ask around it. And then when you start learning from them where they hang out, what they do and how they do, that's a lot of the people that invest in our projects aren't real estate investors for say. They are just yeah. everyday people that we've made real estate investors because it's there. And the second trick to that is if they're a real estate investor, they're going to want 20 to 25% returns on all developments because that's industry standard. If you go find someone that's getting three to 5% in their um, in their banks and their brokers may be getting them with their stocks, eight, nine, 10%, and you offer something for 15 to 20, you actually provide a service to them that's higher than what they're currently getting, but is yeah. less cost for you comparatively to people that are already in the market that know what the market average is. So we can actually get cheaper money than other places because we found people that maybe weren't full-time real estate investors or knew what the market was. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's, that's actually a really great point because I think a lot of real estate investors, they just it's just like a comfort thing or whatever. They'll they'll just go to lots of real estate groups and events. And I think that that is definitely got its place and purpose because you know you're surrounding yourself with like-minded people and learning. Um, however, I think that you know, people and, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of people I know it's like, Hey, I'm going to these events to network. Like I'm going to these events to network, but when you're networking, like you really have to think about the purpose. It's gotta be purposeful networking. Right. So yeah. what, what kind of network are you trying to form? Who are you trying to connect with? And are those people in that room that you're going to in the first place? And I think with capital, especially like you said, most of the time when you're going to the events, the answer is no. Because those same people in the room are also after capital. So you're in a room with people who are looking for the same type of individual that you're looking for. So you're not purposefully networking. So you're going to continue to be in the cycle of going to these events. And that's, I think, what a lot of investors do. Like, oh, go to this, this meetup and go to that meetup and go to this real estate event. And then they come back and they're like, oh, it's not working. I'm not raising any capital. I'm not forming any of those connections. Well, you know, what's the definition of insanity, right? Like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So if maybe you, go, you should start. <laughs> if you go to a conference don't for a real estate event, go look for the other events runs. So many times, and you hear this good uh, capitalists will say this. If you go to a hotel, a lot of times down in the States, because there's bigger conferences down there. Yeah. If you go to a hotel, typically there's other conferences going on. Half the time you want to end up in a room that's on the other side because you can say, I'm here with a bunch of real estate investors yeah. for this real estate event. Have you heard of real estate investing? And it's an easy opportunity. But if you end up in a room and you're in a doctor's clinic and all of a sudden there's 150, 200, 300 doctors in that room and you're the only real estate investor in that room, your percentages of, of being able to connect with someone go a lot higher because now you're not competing against the other people. So when you're at these networking events, look for the other opportunities that are around you or time them so that you look, don't just go look for real estate investing events, look for what other events are going on on that weekend while you're down there that you can get yourself and accidentally stumble into the wrong room and say, hey, my name's Randy. I'm sorry, I must be in the wrong room here. Um, I'm looking for the real estate investing conference. I'm an investor. Right. Now I've just found a way to talk that way without actually being rude or ignorant. And, and starting that introduction and asking, have you ever heard of real estate investing or have you, why aren't you in the right rooms? Things like that. 
Yeah. No, no great points. Awesome. Um, I was curious, what, what motivated you guys to start a mastermind, which has now become a very successful one and, and you know, and keeps growing? Yeah. Um, so Steve and I were a part of a mastermind down in the States for five years. Uh, it was very beneficial to us. We really enjoyed it. Um, after the pandemic, we couldn't travel down to the States anymore because it's an American-based mastermind. We go down every quarter to California. And so we're like, ah, what do we do? And at the time, Steve and I were like, we, we kind of wanted to get to more of a Canadian-based real estate mastermind so we could just grow our knowledge on Canadian development and things like that. And we searched and searched and searched, and there just wasn't a lot. Canada lags quite a few years behind what happens down in the States for the most part. And masterminds are blowing up in the States, but they're still just getting started here in Canada. Canadian business is just a little bit behind. So like, well, we have the knowledge. We've ran a ton of events before in our lives. We know how to run like a seven-figure mastermind because we've been in one for five years. And we had audience and network. So if we can't find it, we might as well create it. And so we partnered with a, a guest of yours, Darren Voros. And um, we said, hey, Darren, we know a lot of people on the West Coast. You know a lot of people out on the East Coast. Why don't we just come together and put together one mastermind? And let's just go find some of the top real estate investors in Canada, put them together in a room, run a bunch of events, and just make it the most elite group we've ever created, the one that we wanted to join. So we are just members of our mastermind because the people that are in that room are just as smart or smarter than us, because that's the network that we wanted to be a part of. And so um, from the from the standpoint of how it was created, that's how it started. It was just an idea. Let's put 30 people together. Let's run an event and let's see what happens. From there, we took off. We've had a lot of success. I'd say we're probably one of the top, if not the top um, luxury real estate mastermind in Canada. Um, and it's all based around networking and putting really cool people together. And then that's where I have a lot of fun as a entrepreneur. I don't consider myself as much as a real estate investor as I do as an entrepreneur, where it's like, cool, we've got this idea. Now let's scale it. We're about to hit $900,000 in revenue just this year alone. And it's going to be a fun business for us uh, for the next five to 10 years for us to continue to build and grow and just start adding more drips of revenue to it, more opportunities into it and treat it like an actual business from what was just a quick side hustle for us to get around people we liked to now being an actually fully operational business with a bunch of employees. Amazing. Amazing. And, and you also have a, your own podcast, which is um, go big to give big. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. And I'm more specifically, I'm wondering, you know, um, what does it take from all the guests that you've had? What does it take to go from six figure to seven figure earner? Yeah. So I'm going to relate something back here. So when Steve and I started raising capital, how do we get in people's inboxes? How do we get in front of the right people? What do we do to kind of start getting those? Like, where do these successful people hang out? We did the same thing when we started our podcast. What kind of guests do we want on our show? We wanted high income earners that had already had some success, had already made some money, but were using it to give back. So we wanted to start highlighting more of those people. For a few reasons. One, now we're a business podcast, not a real estate podcast. Who listens to business podcasts? Other business owners, doctors, entrepreneurs, anybody in general. So we didn't limit ourselves with a real estate podcast. We, it was strategically based. like We are real estate investors, but we wanted a blanket podcast so that we could get in front of more audience to come invest into our projects. And the second thing was we wanted to get in front of incredible speakers to come speak to our mastermind. If I run a mastermind, it's really hard. You're just cold reaching out to people to be like, hey, you want to come speak to my mastermind? I'm like, 
mm, there's no real value for me in it. If you have a podcast, which I'm sure you guys have learned, I can reach out to anybody on this planet and say, hey, do you want to come on my podcast? I have an audience that you can teach, train, sell, do whatever you want in front of. And everybody's like, oh my God, yes. I haven't had one person ask me how many downloads I've had, but we've had the likes of Brandon Turner and Tim Story and David Meltzer and some of these incredible guests come on our show. And it's like, oh, by leveraging our skills and having a podcast, we're able to get some incredible guests on our show. And then now we leverage that to go into our mastermind and we leverage that to bring people in to come invest into our projects. And we're leveraging it now to build our brand of Go Big to Get Big. So the podcast was the biggest turning point for us because it opened up so many networks, so many incredible opportunities and brought so much um, new audience to our lives. So how do people go from the tagline for our podcast is actually, um, how do you go from being a six-figure earner to a seven-figure giver? And the whole notion behind that is so many people aim to achieve seven figures as an investment. And we ask, why? Why do you guys want seven figures? Because I want financial freedom. I want to make money. I want to do more in this world. Or I don't want to do more in this world, but I just want to make more money. But brings Steve and I back to the you know, the first few years we started in entrepreneurship of, well, we weren't inspired to go make seven figures randomly, but what we were inspired for was writing a million dollar check. Like, how cool is that? You ask anybody like, hey, how cool would it be to write a million dollar check and where would you write it to? They'll have a hundred answers for you. You say, hey, I'm going to give you a million dollar check today. What are you going to do with it? Like, um, I don't know, buy a car, buy a house. They're not inspired by it. So if we can start teaching people to think in giving seven figures, how much revenue do they need to make in order to donate seven figures? Probably four or $5 million a year net profit, right? If they're going to donate a million dollars, they're probably going to want to be making four to $5 million net profit. Let's even say two to three. Now you're building a business that operates at two to $3 million net profit to donate a million. So you're going to be way more successful than just trying to become a seven-figure earner by becoming a seven-figure giver because now you're actually able to create more business from it because you're more motivated to write a seven-figure check to go support kids that have never been able to play sports before than you are to go buy a new Ferrari. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. So my question for you is, I mean, you're obviously a a fairly young guy. Uh, How do you work on yourself and how do you continue to stay motivated? What is your secret sauce? Yeah, um, I do a lot of therapy. Um, I do a lot of coaching. Um, you know, it is it is true though. I've I've spent a lot of money, time, effort, and energy learning on how to become the best version of myself. Um, I'm 31 now, so I, I've been in the industry about six years, and you know, from the loss of my best friend to getting to where I am, I had to learn how to control my emotions. I had to learn about the things that how I operated, the way I thought. Why did I? Why do I network with certain people? Why am I scared to go out and try new opportunities? Why am I scared to go out and and sell something or a product or service? And that all stems from getting mentally um, trained on who you are. So I had to go find a lot of inner peace, do a lot of work, get a lot of coaching and a lot of therapy to actually be able to go out and take the next steps. Some of the biggest things for me that have allowed me to succeed and excel the best has actually been physical activity. So there's a direct correlation to in my world of 
how hard I work and how much output I put in in the mental capacity of physical fitness, not just waking up and going to the gym every day. I'm talking about pushing the boundaries of what we're capable of. If I know I can run 10K, how do I go run 20? I can apply those same principles to business. When I come back home and say, okay, I'm making 10K a month. How do I go make 20K a month? So physical fitness is actually how I've been mentally pushing myself to go do more in business. Um, things like behind me here, um, Steve and I did an event called 29029, where we hiked 29,000 feet in elevation for the same height of Mount Everest in Whistler here in um, Vancouver. And so we did nine laps up and down, not down, but you hike up and you gondola down and we did it in 36 hours. So you hike for basically 36 hours straight. I did mine in 21 hours and 45 minutes finished at 3.30 in the morning, I came off that weekend going, wow, I am motivated. I know that I'm a great human, can kick butt. I can go like, if I can do that, I can go sell training programs or buy real estate or go do anything because I feel like a beast today. So a lot of what I've been comparing my lives to now is there's a direct correlation to how far I challenge myself in my physical fitness to how far I challenge myself in my business. And that's how I'm mentally staying sharp and focused now is um, podcast, learning, therapy, coaching, and physical fitness of challenging myself, not just going to the gym. Oh, that was beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was a really good answer. We're just like, oh, I know it was, that was, that was, that was incredible. I mean, I'm glad she asked that question because I didn't expect that physical fitness answer to be quite honest. Right. And, and what totally makes sense. Um, what what are some of the struggles that you know you face as in your professional life right now? Oh, dude, I struggle every day. This is something <laughs> that entrepreneurs do not talk about. Is it's like I don't believe in work life balance. The pendulum swings. Sometimes work is way more important. Sometimes life is way more important. How do you balance that? I don't know if I'll ever be able to find it. I'm so passionate about what I want to do that I'm constantly in uh, challenge with my fiance, because she wants more of my time. I want to put more time into the business. How do we, how do we meet in the middle? So we're constantly working on our relationship every single day to make that work. Um, I'm constantly challenged from wanting to become a seven figure giver, right? If I want to donate a million dollars, that's a hard concept. And I feel a lot of, um, pressure, a lot of guilt, a lot of, um, I don't want to say fear around the fact of like, Hey, I want to do all this by the time I'm 35. And now I've just created this deadline. And if I don't hit those deadlines, I'm going to be a failure. And there's a lot of negative self-talk and there's a lot of depression that comes with being an entrepreneur and being lonely and, you know, having to level up some of your friends along the way where it's like, sorry, friend, you just don't serve my life anymore. And the way I'm going and the trajectory I'm on it just doesn't serve me to spend time with you anymore. So having to let go of friends and make some of those harder decisions. Um, so th that's genuinely what I'm going through right now of some of the challenges that I'm facing are just how do I, how do I be in relationship with my fiance and build a successful business? How do I keep my friends as I continue to level up and still build my business? And how do I mentally stay sane when I'm doing this? and still build my business. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And I'm very lucky. I don't even have kids yet to worry about. You throw kids into that mix and I'm sure it's a whole different world. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. No. And I, we, I can totally relate. Like we started our entrepreneur journey when we were in our early twenties too. So, uh, definitely, uh, all of those things, like we were newlyweds, we got married in our early twenties. So we were newlyweds. We were starting a business. We had friends around us who were doing all these things, lots of FOMO at that age too. Like, you know, you're on the right path, but you're still, you know, like you're missing out, right? You're missing out. Everyone's traveling. Everyone's doing all these fun things. People are taking years off and not working and not focusing on like they're just enjoying their life. And then I think as you get into your thirties for, for me, especially there's a lot of, uh, you know, I'm getting older and I'm, I haven't done all these things and I'm getting older and I I've been sacrificing all my time and pouring it into these businesses. And so there's so much, and you're right. It is very lonely. It is very lonely, especially for us. I found in our twenties was the loneliest time as you get into your thirties. I think that you find more companionship because you're getting older and there's more people around you who are, who have kind of settled in, but yeah, the twenties can be really tough. And yes, the kids definitely change the game. Like we have three now, so, uh, definitely game changer. And I think that's, that's how you can build some connection too, though. Right. When you have kids, that becomes more of a family life. And I'm sure I'm going to transition that way right now. I'm just in like, I got nothing to do. I just want to build businesses as fast as I can. And maybe that's why it's partly lonely is again, like I had to basically give up drinking. I don't really go out on, on weekends anymore with a lot of my friends. And it's personally because I just don't like what it does to my body. That's part of the physical fitness is like, I'm so fit now. And I watch my nutrition that when I do drink, it hurts my body. Like I have to pick and choose what nights I'm going to drink in the year because it hurts my body so much to do and, and just having to make different decisions. And, um, and just, like I said, I kind of dictated some of my friends. I don't really hang out with a lot of people that party Friday, Saturday nights. Now I hang out with a lot of people that, um, want to go for a drink but maybe want to talk business or people that want to maybe stay in and play some board games and have a drink as opposed to going out and doing that stuff or sitting around a fire or things like that um, has been a big life shift. So uh, I'm hoping as I get into my later thirties with the kids and that uh, I'll become and find more of that balance in there. But I always believe the pendulum is, is all in on one thing each time. And I just have to keep going back and forth, knowing that one day my business is going to not be performing great because my fiance wants my attention. And the next day my business is going to perform great, but my fiance isn't going to get the attention. And that's just how I believe uh, my life is always going to be. Yeah, yeah nice. for sure. You know, there, there's, there's a, there's a lot of fear out there right now with the way the market is, you know, yeah. with uh, uh, things have changed, even with investors raising capital. I mean, at least from our perspective, things, uh, you know, uh, yep. are not as as uh, rosy as they used to be right with uh with the way things <laughs> yeah. were um what so what are you most excited about you know and maybe some advice for because there's a lot of investors out there that are kind of paralyzed with what's happening yeah it's it is weird especially what's going on with the us dollar right now um is causing a lot more uncertainty it feels like it's like each each weight just keeps stacking and the and the board's really starting to bend and it's going to break at some point. So um, it's hard to speak economics globally. Um, I don't know if your audience is primarily American or Canadian, but from, from a Canadian standpoint, the fear is that we only have five-year term mortgages. So every five years you have to renew. Well, yeah. everyone that just had their mortgages at one and 2% that, that bought in 2018 to 2022 kind of thing, they're all, they're all locked in at very low rates. Well, a lot of those are starting to mature now. 
And so we're seeing a lot of people unable to make new payments on their products. We're seeing a lot of people that refinanced their homes to invest into development that are now having to pay a little bit more interest on a lot of these interest rates. So um, I don't think we're out of the woods at all. I think we're just, I think it's going to have a long-term effect because you mix in a little bit of the, what happened inside COVID with the inflation that's created here. Um, a lot of, a lot of people are just living on the brink of their means at the moment. And it takes time for them to make change, right? When the pain starts, it's not that bad, but after you get poked 10,000 times, like, okay, stop. I think that's what we're going to start seeing in the next year, which to answer your question is going to turn up a lot of properties. A lot of people that bought a million dollar property three, four years ago that are having to renew now that can't make the payments are trying to sell. So we're going to start seeing a lot of those type products. And I think that obviously the the more expensive ones are getting listed first, but that'll start to flood down. So I think there's a lot of opportunity right now in townhomes. So either developing newer townhomes or trying to create triplexes right? If you try in fourplexes where you can take a house and add a suite into it, people are going to be picking those up faster and willing to pay more to have income to offset their mortgages. Whereas before you could make the payments on your million dollar home because you're one and 2% interest rates. Right. If we stay in this three and a half, four and a half, five percent 5% interest rates, people can't afford a million dollars anymore. It just doesn't work. So they're going to have to have suites. So expect to see a lot of uh, opportunity in adding um, additional dwelling units, um, carriage houses, suites, things like that in the single family type space. And then, like I said, in the development space, I'm really bullish on townhomes because I think that's going to be the price point that's that's the best. I mean, people don't want condos based on what they've been through with having been locked down, but they can't afford homes or, or won't be able to get in because of the interest payments. So uh, townhomes, I think, are going to be a sweet spot for people to kind of settle into and make that transition. Yeah, I think you're yeah, definitely definitely spot on with some of uh, your your analysis. So uh, yeah, people need to continue to monitor and to continue to not be paralyzed by fear, but to find the opportunity um, within within the market conditions. So um, we're, we're, we'd love to keep asking questions. There's so many things we could talk about, but we're coming to a wrap here with our time. So uh, there's a last question that we like to ask our audience, which, which ask our guests for our audience is uh, basically, uh, if you were to leave us with a quote or a saying that really resonates with your life or your business, um, what would that be? Yeah, it's a pretty easy one for me. It's, uh, money doesn't change who you are. It just exposes who you were. So if you are a giver before you started making money, you'll be a giver when you make money at the end. If you are a jerk and and uh, not a very nice person when you started, and then when you make more money, that's who you're going to be. So, so many people have this narrative that the more money you make, you get your ego gets in the way and you become a, a um, not a nice human. I believe that stems from who you were beforehand. So money doesn't change you. It just exposes who you really were. Amazing. That's a great quote. So Randy, um, just lastly, if people want to get in touch, we'll put in our show notes as well. What's the best way for them to find you, reach you, uh, see what you're up to? Yeah, I'm very active on uh, Instagram and Facebook. I message back to anyone that wants to send me a message and chat about Go Big to Give Big or real estate or anything in that space. So just at Randy Molland everywhere, M-O-L-L-A-N-D, um, okay. at Go Big to Give Big everywhere and uh, at the re-investors, the R-E-investors. 
those are kind of my three handles. And if you're a Canadian real estate investor looking to get into a mastermind, it's just Synergy Mastermind everywhere. So it's uh, it's getting harder and harder to start listing which ones I just want to promote because <laughs> on, on a podcast like this, they're amazing. But if you just look up Randy Molland, uh, I have links to everything uh, from there. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you again, Randy, for your time, your yeah. honesty. Uh, it was such an awesome conversation. I'm sure. Yeah, this, everybody would, got... this was probably one of the most inspirational episodes. So thank you yeah, so thank much. Yeah, thank you very much. We really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you guys so much. It's uh, It's been great. Those are some amazing questions. And I just love uh, being on podcasts and anyone that has a podcast that's willing to promote themselves. Absolutely love it. So keep doing what you're doing and uh, just happy to be of service. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks again, Randy. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. We are getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. Once again, it's www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.